0: out of shape over this, that, and the other, but I love Christmas. I love the lights. I love everything about it. I like eggnog. I like to hear singing. I like to hear carols. I love to watch the movies we watched 150 times. I love everything about Christmas except fruitcake. Can I get an amen? I don't know. Every year someone tries to give me fruitcake and it's not happening. But anyways, what I love most about Christmas is the reason for Christmas. The Bible is very clear. There is but one reason for Christmas. That is the greatest gift ever given was given to mankind. The Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That is what Christmas is all about. And I just love Christmas. I love it. And I love to preach about Christmas. I love gifts. Anybody in here like to get gifts? Yeah, don't be high and say, oh, I like to give gifts. You don't like, you like to get gifts as much as you like to give them. If not, you wouldn't be human. We all love gifts. But I want to tell you about the greatest gift that was ever given. This gift will change your life. This gift is so wonderful. When Paul talks about it, he answers the objections before anyone even gives the objections in our text. He is talking about this, these common objections that people give to coming to belief or faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are reasons why I, some people say I could never be saved. And Paul takes care of them right off the bat. Because he wants you to know that if you're alive and you're breathing, you can be saved. You can receive the greatest gift that was ever given by the Lord Jesus Christ. The first objection that some people give is, I have a past. Notice what Paul says here in verse 13. He says, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. What the Apostle Paul was saying was when he did all that stuff, when he was a persecutor, he was a murderer, he was a blasphemer, he did all those things. You all know what he did against the church early in his life. When he did all those things, he did those things because he was an unbeliever. That's why he did them. We should never be surprised when sinners act like sinners. You know why? Because sinners sin. That's what they do, right? And every one of us in this room sinners. And everyone in this room has a past. But I want you to know your past does not define you. Your past has no bearing on your salvation. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Sometimes I will be witnessing to someone and they'll say, well pastor you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done because I'm a sinner and I'm no better than you are and you're no better than I am and so I know what the Bible says about sin. Sin is exceedingly sinful. And I want you to know this morning that your past has no bearing on your salvation. Many of us have things in our lives we'd like to go and do over. Anybody here? Anybody have something in your past you wish you never would have done? Amen. We all do, don't we? But isn't it wonderful that when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, when you receive that gift that Jesus gave us by faith, do you know that you not only get a new present, you not only get a new future, but you get a new past. The Bible says that our sins are wiped away. They are cast as far as the east is to the west. God specifically says, Your sins will I remember no more. You can be free from your past. Only in the perfect gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Friend, it does not matter what you've done. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's nobody in this room that deserves salvation. Every one of us, because of our sin, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Every one of us in this room not only deserve to die a physical death, but we deserve to die a spiritual death, which means you're cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever because of your sins. Every one of us deserves that. But you know what? The second part of that verse says, because of Jesus, we can be forgiven. We can be forgiven. And that's the second thing that Paul tells us. The second objection is this. Look, look with me. Verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Some people will say, listen, preacher, I want you to know I could never live the Christian life. I could never live the Christian life. I could never do good things. Well, I want to tell you, your salvation is not contingent upon you doing good things. Your salvation has nothing to do with your works. Your salvation has to do with the gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift is received by faith. Not one of us in here is even close to being good enough to deserve His grace. What was the turning point in Paul's life? He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, the mercy of God. The mercy I obtained in verse 16. You know what grace is, right? Grace is, not, grace is getting what you do not deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. How many of you have ever been in big trouble, right? And you know you're going to get in trouble. And then all of a sudden, you got mercy. I got mercy one time when I was a little fellow. I was riding a... I'm still a little fellow, but I was riding a motorcycle. And I got caught and had to go to court. And I went to court. I was a young fellow, had to go to probate court. And uh, George, Judge Burwell in, uh, in Ironton was a mean judge. He was notorious. He would bring kids into the courtroom and he would paddle them in the courtroom. He would take them to juvie homes. He would do all kinds of things. He was just a, a wicked man. And I went to court and I was scared to death. And as far as I know, that judge never said one word to me, but my dad sure took the brunt of everything I did. I got mercy. Not so much. I got mercy, but he took my punishment. You know that's what Jesus Christ did for you. Do you know that Jesus Christ stepped in and paid your sin debt? He took the punishment that you and I owe. Every lie you would ever tell. Every word that you would ever speak that's not pure. Every thought that you would have that's not pure. Everything you would do that is against God. Every sin you would ever commit, Jesus Christ Stepped in and he took the punishment for your sin and for my sin. And don't think that too lightly, friend. You know why? He had the flesh ripped off his back. Historically, they report that he was beaten so bad he was beyond the image of a man. This is our Savior. This is the one who came into the world to save sinners. This is the one who came, who was perfect, who was God in the flesh, who came to this earth, that He might live for us, that He might die for us, so that we could live with Him eternally. And the beating that He bore upon His back was my fault. It was my fault because I was a sinner. It's your fault because you were a sinner. But Jesus... In his infinite wisdom and his mercy and his grace, he stepped in and he said, I'll take your punishment. I'll take the beating you deserve. And Paul says that this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of who I am chief. Jesus never asked us to celebrate Christmas. you got people arguing all over Christmas and missing the point of Christmas. The point of Christmas is Jesus, who is God, became a man and came into this world to save sinners. And the Apostle Paul said, he is chief. But I will tell you, I was a pretty wicked sinner. And so were you. The objection is, preacher, I can't live this. I can't be like everybody at the church. You think everybody at the church is so good? We're not. We All of us sit in this church, the only reason we're going to heaven is because of Jesus Christ, not because we're good not because we dress a certain way and act a certain way and talk a certain way. No, it's because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and we have realized our sin and we deserve. We realize that our sin demands that we die and Jesus Christ died in our place and we come to the faith where we have believed in Him and we have trusted in Him that He died for us and He took our punishment and we believe that He'll take us to heaven by faith alone plus nothing. That's what Paul says. People say, you know... My past, your past doesn't matter. Paul tells us that. People say, I can't live it, preacher. You don't, none of us can live it. That's why we need Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's not one perfect person in this room. So much of life, people have not gone to church, and I'm not one to be a part of church, is because we portray this image that we're not. We portray something that we're not, we're holier now, we go around picking on everybody when we ought to be telling everyone, hey, thank God for the grace of God and His mercy and how He saved me, and He can save you too. And it's not by your works, and it has nothing to do with your past. It has to do with what He did on the cross of Calvary. Calvary. And you say, well, preacher, I don't know about this. What are you saying? I'm saying this. Today, if you will realize that you are a sinner. And I don't really have to convince you of that. You know you. You look at you in the mirror every day. You know you've done things that are wrong. There is a God-shaped hole in everyone's heart. And the Bible tells us that when the gospel is presented that today... Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. You know why? None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. One of the most difficult things I've ever had to do in my life, I stood and preached the funeral of an infant baby. Tragic death. When I was at Abundant Life Baptist Church, there was a young man in our youth group who wasn't feeling well. He went to the doctor that day because he wasn't feeling well and on the doctor's table he fell over dead. 15, 16 years old. Fell over dead right there in the doctor's office. There are people your age and younger than you dying every day. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die but next the judgment. Death is not the only thing. And when you're young you don't think about death. But the older you get, the more you start thinking about it. Sometimes I'm in the unenviable position. Many times in my life, I'm around death more than anybody. And it bothers me. One of the most difficult things I have to do is stand and preach a funeral of someone who has never believed in Jesus Christ because what comfort can I give that family? What comfort can I give them telling them that unless he believed in Jesus Christ, he's in hell? And the Bible says hell is real. It's a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And it was not made for humans, it was made for the devil and his followers. But the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord is... Romans 5.8, but God commendeth His love towards us. Commendeth means demonstrated. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, Jesus doesn't want you to get cleaned up. He doesn't want you to be looking all like Christian before you get saved. He wants you to come as you are. Believing. Turning from your sin. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. (coughs) That's what Christmas is about. That's what Christmas is about. His grace and His mercy... They are available to you today and you can be saved. And the last objection someone gives, well, if I did believe in Jesus, he could never use me. You see how the devil works? As God is drawing you through the Holy Spirit to the gospel and believing, the devil is working equally hard to get you not to believe. He wants you so down on yourself, thinking that you could never do anything for the cause of Christ. But you know what? Because Jesus came into the world to save sinners, because He died on the cross, and if you and I will believe in Him and be saved, He will use us in the future. You can do something that lasts throughout eternity. When we get into heaven, we're not going to argue over stupid statistics. We're not going to argue over things that we thought were important in this world. But all throughout eternity, we will be able to bask in the glory of the Lord, knowing that we did what we could for Him. I've had people saying, you know, man, preacher, I'm just a simple person. I can never do anything for the Lord. Look what Paul says in verse 16. And by the way, I love simple people. Can I have an amen? I was with some guys one time, and they were talking back and forth about all this Star Wars stuff, and I looked at them, I said, can you guys even throw a ball? And uh, and one of them reminds me all the time, yes, I can throw a ball. And, but you get into this gobbledygook, listen to what Paul says. Paul's plain, simple guy. Look what Paul says in verse 16. However, for this reason I obtained mercy. Why? That in me first... Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering because Paul was the ultimate sinner, right? He persecuted the church. Now, the world can see the long-suffering, the patience of Christ in saving Paul. He's a pattern, and a pattern for those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. You are a pattern. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, people can say, you know, Something's happened to him. Something's happened to her. They're not the same person they were. Something is different. Paul said that in him, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe. You are a pattern of God's patience and love for the lost. What God has done for you, he will do for someone else because God is love. You can now show others that Jesus can save anybody. I just love to run into people and meet people and say, doesn't so-and-so go to that church? Yes, boy, I knew him before he was saved. I love to hear those stories. Don't you love to hear those stories? This is true joy. Let me tell you something. I mean this with all my heart. The longer we live on this earth, the more complex the world becomes. And the more the devil tries to get us scattered out, our minds having all this stuff. We're worried about all this stuff going on in the world. We're worried about the economy. We're worried about our enemies. We're worried about all this stuff. Let me just tell you this. If you know Jesus Christ, and you've experienced the love of Jesus Christ, you're going to be just fine. You're going to be just fine. Fine. This is so exciting to Paul that he gets so excited. The joy is so deep in him because he knew what he was. He knew what Jesus did for him. And he knew what he's going to do now. And so he breaks out in a praise song. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now listen to me. This is Christmas and I hope you give me a little grace. But if you're a born-again believer and you've become an old curmudgeon and you have moved away from the grace of God and you're not serving God like you should, you need to wake up. You need to realize the gift of God that He has given you and that you are a pattern and that you should be following the steps of the Apostle Paul which follows the steps of the Lord Jesus Christ and do something for the glory of God. Do something for the glory of God. Nobody joins a team. we got a basketball team back there. Nobody comes out, hey, coach, all I want to do is sit the bench. Don't worry about playing me. I just want to sit the bench. Most of the time, the coach has to determine who's the best, and then they get mad because they have to sit the bench. Why is it in church? We come into church and we're like, yeah, look, I just want to sit on the bench. Well, I wouldn't give you two nickels. Well, I love you, church, but I'm going to talk about in sports. I wouldn't give two nickels for a guy who wants to just sit on the bench. We've got to have some holy unction, some desire that we serve the Lord. We're a pattern, church. This is Christmas. Instead of complaining about someone's sign that doesn't have Chris, Merry Christmas on it, it has Happy Holidays, why don't you go in there and sing jingle bells or something? Won't you go in there and share the gospel with somebody? You say, hey, see these lights around here? You know, Jesus said, He's the light of the world. And you may not be saying Merry Christmas, but in your store, you're telling about Jesus in those lights. It reminds me of the fella. I ain't going to say it. I'm going on. The Lord put up brakes on there. Can I ask you a question on this matter of joy? What if you could have anything you wanted this year for Christmas? How many raise your hands and Say I'd like that. Come on now, every one of us raise your hands. Let me ask you a question: If you got everything you wanted, then what? You know, in two weeks, that's not going to be as nice as it was, because in two weeks, whatever you bought, if it's electronic, they're going to release a new one. And, and if you, you go out and you've been saving up all your money and you want to get that perfect car and you go buy that car, next year they're releasing a new one. Do you know that all these professional sports players, they have money, they have fame, everything they ever wanted, and many of them are miserable? One of the better basketball players in our time, Kobe Bryant, had everything. He died on a plane crash. How much did that money mean to him when he was thrust into eternity? Not one penny. You see, only Christ brings you joy. I've never been at the hospice house visiting someone lying on their deathbed in the hospice house and they tell me, hey, I want this one thing. I want, this, I want you to go out and get this for me. No. No. None of that stuff means anything to them. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. The Apostle Paul had it right. Nehemiah had it right when he said, The joy of the Lord is my strength. We should be excited at Christmas time. We're celebrating the birth of our Savior. We ought to be joyful We ought to be the happiest people around. Because whether the world knows it or not, even though they try to secularize it, they can't. Because it's about Jesus. And no matter what they do, they can't stop it. They cannot stop it. So Christmas, my first Christmas message is this, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. My question I ask you, number one, have you been saved? Have you received the free gift of the Lord Jesus Christ by faith? If you have, my second question I ask you is this, what are you doing for Him as a pattern of His grace and mercy? How are you showing His grace and mercy. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. What a Christmas gift. Would you bow your heads with me, please, and close your eyes just for a moment.